For those who've been with us uh, recently, you know that we've been going through the books, uh, the book of Psalms uh, together. And so today we are on Psalm 22. And we've kind of divided up a way of looking at the Psalms uh, that we, we see that there are certain Psalms that are foundational. They are uh, the, the normal, what you would expect from life, how things ought to be. Uh, they are psalms uh, that have uh, an orientation to them. They help you understand how the world goes, how we are to react and interact with our God, uh, to understand creation, the foundational things. These are a certain kind of psalm. And then there's another kind of song, psalm, a psalm of disorientation. And it is a psalm when all those things fall apart, when it's not like we anticipated it to be. Things are, are not as we had hoped. The, the, the foundation seems to be moved from underneath us. And as we read Psalm today, there's Psalm 22 today, we will see there's no better psalm for, for understanding this moment of disorientation when things just don't seem as they should. And so I'd encourage you to look with us today in Psalm 22, and I'm going to read several of the verses together as we kind of get started. I'm going to, there are several sections, and so I'm going to read a few verses as we go so that you might be able to, to hear a flavor of this psalm altogether. We start at the very beginning, Psalm 22, to the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, which more than likely when it says to the, to the doe or the dawn, it is a type of song. It's the, it's the musical part of this song. And then the words would be added. And these would be the words that you could sing along to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Verses 6 through 8. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who seek me, all who see me, mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord deliver him. Let the, let the Lord rescue him, for he delights in him. 16 through 18. For dogs encompass me, a, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And do you hear? This is a bad day. <laughs> he, the, the word forsaken is the same word for left. My God, my God, my God, my God, why have you left me? I am alone. When I think about these psalms, I, I think about them as a kind of soundtrack, uh, like in a movie. So, like, when you hear the soundtrack coming, you know, like, something's about to happen without anything actually happening yet. So, like, certain music comes on and you go, 
run, right, to the person who, who you're watching the movie, like, go, something's, this doesn't sound good. And so there's, there is this backdrop uh, of music that's playing without the action. And so we can think about the, 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 the first five books of the Old Testament. Those are the action, the narrative, the story, the, the foundational information that we see in all of the Bible. And we can watch the story happen. And then we see the children of Israel being delivered and they, are, they become their own people in these books of history as they wander around in the wilderness and finally get to enter into the promised land. And once they enter the promised land, you see that they mess up over and over again. There, there are judges and kings and, and prophets and the prophets try to draw people back to the things of God. And then, then comes the exile and, and after the exile and then into the time of Jesus. And all this action is happening, but in the midst of all this action, there are these songs that are playing in the background. And these are the psalms. They are the, the voice of you and me and the community as we, we mourn in times of mourning. And the psalms are, are those, those songs that we sing. It is the, 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 our heartbeat as we respond to the world around us. And Psalm 22 is that that moment in which we are in the depths and in the darkness. Everyone seems, to the writer, it seems like everyone is against them. And for you and me, as we approach this psalm today, I imagine most, if not all of us, have had those days of despair, those seasons of despair, in which it seems like we are alone, that we are lost, that we are powerless. But as we read these particular lines, it seems like it's almost too much. Did you catch that? Look what he's saying. He's saying that, that God has forsaken him, that he is groaning day and night and he finds no rest, that there are those who mock him, they make mouths at him. They wag their heads at him. They, they mock him because of his faith. And then he talks about how these dogs, whether uh, real or imagined, uh, a company of evildoers that come against him. They encircle me. And look, he says, they pierce my hands and feet. Have anyone, anyone been pierced? Not in the ears, but like, in the body? Had people stare and gloat in the... There are people who desire the destruction of this person who's singing this lament. And so we think, well, maybe, maybe they're talking about King David, but it seems like even more than King David. As, as we are becoming, we're becoming good theologians here, as we interpret Scripture... What, the, what, we, what we first do is we, we take a scripture like this or any other scripture and we, we first have to ask, what is the author intending? What is he writing about? What is his expectation when he's writing this? What is he communicating? What words is he using? What kind of poetry? What, what kind of form and structure is he using? What are meant by these idioms? We try to find out what is the author trying to say to us? The second thing we say is, what would this mean in the context in which it was written? What would the people receive as they heard those things from the author? 
What would they think about those things? What kind of context were they in? Were they, were they in exile? Were they at war? Were they at peace? Were they looking for a, a savior, a messiah? Were they under the thumb of Rome or under the thumb of some other country? What is the context in which this story is written? And as we hear these things, these, these horrible things that would cause despair in anyone, it doesn't even seem to fit that model. Because it, you would think he's talking about King David. But if you apply these things to King David, it doesn't sound like he went through these things. Are you following me? It seems like this psalm is a great, great tragedy that none of us has ever been through except for Jesus, right? So when we hear these different phrases throughout Psalm 22, it piques our, it, it piques our, our interest. It, it touches our ears because oh, I've heard that before, right? right? As we read that, you go, oh, I, remember, I remember those words. I remember, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? We talk about it every Good Friday and Easter. We remember Jesus on the cross and some of his last words. He cries this psalm out, Psalm 22. He begins by saying, my God, my God, why has you, how I have you forsaken me? Why, God, have you left me in this moment? It is uh, not found, this kind of dread and despair and loneliness, not found in King David, but it's as if the people in the moment could not understand the fullness of this message. They had to wait a thousand years later until Jesus comes. And while Jesus is on the cross and he's saying these very beginning words of Psalm 22, you see, if you were in, in that time, they didn't number the Psalms. So you couldn't say, oh yeah, by the way, Psalm 22. You couldn't just, Jesus couldn't call it out. He would just call out the first phrase. And those who were good Jews had been, had been singing these songs since they were children. As you began to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They would go, ah, ah, Psalm 22. And would begin to remember all, they begin to remember all the things of Psalm 22. And they would see Jesus on the cross. We, they would see his bleeding and they would see his side pierced. He, they would see those who were, were, were trying to, to tear up his garments and, and sell his garments. They could count the bones and they would remember, wait, he is living out Psalm 22. Jesus cries that cry in Matthew 27. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus not only cries that psalm, he fulfills it. Because with these psalms, when you have a psalm of disorientation, where things are not as they should, as they are in Psalm 22, if you'll spend a little time and wait just a little longer, you'll see the psalm always ends with glory to God. Listen, verse 25. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. 
for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. This is a far cry from where he was when we started the psalm. You couldn't get any lower than you were at the beginning of the psalm, but at the end of the psalm, he says, can I get a hallelujah? Can I get a praise the Lord? He's saying, lift up your hands and shout because our king reigns. My! From being alone and desperate to shouting the praises of our God to the whole congregation. There seems to be quite a contrast between the first and the last, right? And you wonder what happened in verse 24 to make 25 happen. Something's happened here. There was great despair, and all of a sudden there's celebration. So maybe, maybe there's an anticipation that a, a priest would get up and he would, he would tell people to turn their eyes away from themselves and to God. Or, or maybe there is uh, some oracle that that priest would bring and the prophet would bring of how God would triumph in the last days. Something has happened. Something has happened between verse 24 and 25. There's something that's happened. You know how the Lord, uh, if you've taught Sunday school or, or Bible study or you've preached sermons before, it seems like God is uh, always uh, having you interact with people during the weeks uh, that pertain to your message he likes to prepare you for that. And so over the last few weeks, I've really been, I've been dealing with a lot of people who are in the midst of despair, who are struggling, who, who feel alone and lost. They're physically hurting. They've, they've lost children. They've lost spouses. They've lost jobs. They feel like they have been left alone by God. In in the garden, we see that Jesus' despair and darkness didn't start at the cross, right? It, it started before that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus was to march to Golgotha and go up that hill, before, before he would be arrested, before he would stand trial, before he would be merciless, mercilessly beaten, he was in the garden. He, he was with the other disciples, and he was calling them to pray, but they fell asleep. And so Jesus pressed forward and pressed on to a lonely place without the disciples and by himself. In Matthew 26, he prays a prayer. And he asks that this cup, this cup which represents death and destruction and God's wrath, Knowing what was about to happen, he said, Lord, if, if, if it could be that this cup could pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. We are not, uh, many of us have faced this cup before, this cup of anguish. And what happens when you look into the cup of anguish? What happens when you are in the midst of despair? As you peer into it, the first thing you usually see is reflection of yourself, by yourself, alone. Your face 
disfigured, your eyes red, worn out, alone. But there's something that happens between Psalm 20, uh, verse 24 and verse 25. Because in the midst of our despair, Jesus died for our sins. And so for those who are believers today, and, and maybe even today, you are in that despair. Maybe you are in the loneliness. Maybe you have lost so much. It seems your future is hopeless. I would encourage you to look past the reflection and look into the cup. Because in the cup is the blood of Jesus. What that means for you and me is that, that Jesus had a choice and he chose this pain and this suffering. And unlike you and me, he was alone. He was without disciples. He was without the Father. He could truly pray, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from the presence of the Father. He was taking on the wrath of our sins piled upon him. Jesus suffered like you and I will never suffer. And that is good news for you and me. First, it tells us that Jesus loves you so much and loves me so much that he'd be willing to die on the cross for us so that we might be right with him. It also reminds us that Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows your pain. And he knows my pain. And he knows it to an nth degree. We have a Savior who can empathize with our pain, with our loneliness. And if you haven't had loneliness and this kind of despair yet, I have bad news for you and I have good news for you. It's coming. It's going to come. But don't despair. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the cup. And Jesus knows you. And he empathizes with you. And he is present with you. He cares what happens to you. And he has promises for you. He is our deliverer. He is our deliverer. He is our salvation. He will rescue us. Amen? I want to speak to especially our youth today. You know, when you're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, 18... I want to tell you, you're, you're going to run into this cup. Adults, is that true? Amen. You're going to run into this cup, especially in that season of life. We know that because we've looked into that cup as well. And it's especially difficult in those moments, because as you look into that cup and you see that reflection of yourself, you don't even know what you're looking at. Amen. You're still trying to figure out who that reflection is. And add to that, now you feel lonely and separated. You may have friends, but you don't feel known by anyone. It's easy for despair to creep in. It's easy for you to feel alone and separated, especially in these moments of time. And for it to seem as if death is even near. But I want to encourage you, young people, 
in this season, in this mo these moments of your life, look past the reflection and see Christ. Get to know him. Push a little bit further. Spend a little more time with him. Read this psalm over and over again and trust in him. He is able. And the adults in this congregation can tell you he is our deliverer. Amen? And we have looked into the cup and we have found salvation. I know you're, you're taking baby steps in faith, but take baby steps in faith. This is one of them. In the midst of your d despair, in the midst of your loneliness and separation, in the midst of feeling like all is lost, I want to tell you your God is present. And there will be different days. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. To the, uh, to the rest of us, these days are real for us. My bigger concern today is for that person who looks into this cup and they have not found Jesus. I want to tell you, to, to those who are listening, if you are there, if you have never put your faith in Jesus, that cup should scare you to death. Because death is coming. You are powerless. You are not really present with God and at peace with God unless you put your faith in Jesus. And Jesus wants to be in your life. He, he wants to fill your life. He died so that you and I could be at peace with him. Will you accept him? Will you follow him? Will you put your faith in him? Will you walk with him? For those in here today, if, if that's you, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you, come visit with me. Um, come and, and let's talk about what it is to walk in faith. For those who may be watching online, I, I, I encourage you just to, to, to message, message us so that we might, might be able to speak with you. Send us an email at info at redeemerbrenham.org and say, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to talk more. I'd like to hear more about what it is to put faith in Jesus. I end with this one question. So, what's in your cup? In the midst of your despair, your loneliness and lostness, will you look in the cup? Will you receive the grace of our Lord? As you fall into times of darkness, as you hear that music in the background in your head going, these terrible discordant chords, and you're going, oh, this is not feeling good. This is not going to be good. I would encourage you, Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Listen to this soundtrack. Put these words to that soundtrack. Know that you are greatly loved by the God of all creation. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you that you are with us and near us that you care deeply for your people. We rest in you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen.